Oikura Sodachi and Mitsuru Adachi are going to kill me someday because one's the writer of Cross Game and Touch and the other is a character in this stupid show. Hot, though. Hello and welcome to Keyframes in Betweens, a mini podcast about anime. I'm your host, Ben Halliburton, and with me today is Jeff. Yellow! So, like the battleship Yamato rising out of the earth, we take flight for the final voyage of the Monogatari in Betweens, Monogatwini, as said in secret channels, back alleys, <laughs> and so forth. Are you ready, Jeff? Are yeah. you ready to close this out? Yeah, let's talk about. The end story, and the end story too, and the sequel to the end story. <laughs> or, if you wish, last story. Hmm. Hire me, uh, Shaft. I'll I'll work for free. <laughs> no, I won't. <laughs> My labor's valuable. Uh, let's go ahead and start with a synopsis, and then we can go ahead and cover the major kind of character thematic nexes of the different. Uh, series and then we can kind of just look back on all of this gaze upon our works you mighty mm-hmm. and rejoice so do you want to cover uh the plot <laughs> at least the the first uh major arc of awari monogatari sure uh by first major arc i assume you mean formula or just the sure. whole thing yeah no let's yeah let's go i mean we were talking before the podcast started recording about how uh a lot of these arcs either flow really smoothly into each other or seem like completely different uh, stories that don't really have that much linkage besides happening kind of temporally adjacent to each other mm-hmm. um, or even temporally interpenetrating each other. Uh, but yeah, let's go ahead and start with the first arc that really puts Oshino Ogi, uh, the gender fluid asshole trickster character into the spotlight. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so Awari Monogatari, uh, Ogi Formula, the first arc. Uh, we start off with a uh, a math themed monologue about the most beautiful formula, which is a like what was the it was like Euler's formula it's, or something. It's like Euler's that? identity. Euler's yeah. formula is actually a separate uh, a separate thing. <laughs> okay, so Euler's identity, which ultimately and like it. It equals zero, uh, mm. and so it is considered e, e to the i pi equals negative one. Yeah, or e to the i pi plus one equals zero. And it's a, it's 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 the symmetry that is the theme, the overarching theme of Oari Monogatari one and two, and also I guess into Zoku. Uh, I mean, it, it depends. I think it. I think it ends up being a character note for uh, the character that we'll talk about later of uh, Sadachi Oikura and uh, and her relationship to Araragi and mm-hmm. in general the fictional word. Yeah, and also the uh, also the the general overarching theme and the what Ogi Oshino ends up 
being revealed to be towards the end of the towards the end of the ser- series uh so yeah um after that uh we see the first uh chronological appearance of Ogidoshino, uh who is introduced to Araragi by Kanbaru who is like hey check out my cute underclassman she wanted to talk to you for some reason and she has you know, she introduces herself as Oshino's nephew which he of course just immediately accepts and is told that hey there is a mysterious room in the school and we should go check it out because it's not in any of the maps and it turns out to be a weird kai trap uh <laughs> and yeah like every like every arc of the monogatari series a kai rears, rears its head yeah well almost every arc <laughs> yeah i guess um and yeah, so this is like a weird kind of bottle episode uh, where they are trapped in a room and Ogi basically takes the role of uh, like master of ceremonies, but also in such a way that completely defers to everything that Araragi is doing, which is, again, uh, a common character trait of hers. She she's a manipulator and a uh a deceiver basically and she suggests you know like she's guessing out of thin air that oh maybe this is has something to do with you and maybe you need to resolve something and he slowly comes to the realization that the room they're in is an identical copy of a room that he was in uh back when he started high school and this is ostensibly Aragi's origin story for at least why he is the Aragi that we know now because we've learned sort of like incidentally as like almost as like punchlines to jokes uh, that he was a lot more outgoing and basically behaved just like the fire sisters do now and then something happened and then he became like the morose, chuny weirdo that we saw at the beginning of Kiza Monogatari. The literal quote is that how this is how someone, um, how how someone with no friends came to not want any friends. I think mm-hmm. so. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and they were also introduced to uh, Sadachi, who is the new uh, the new subject over the next couple of arcs. That is. Uh, we're introduced to her as a person who just sort of inexplicably hates Araragi and has convened their math class to basically try to, I don't know if she's trying to like specifically get the class to turn on him or what's going on because the, there is, there has been a, a cheating incident. She's the, the president of the class because every class president has some kind of hard on for Araragi. And they all this, have to be wound tight as a spring, too. So. Yeah. Uh, there's been a cheating incident. There is suspect, you know, and basically it, he, Araragi, has to play, uh, like, judge uh, and figure out, you know, who is at fault for uh, you know, throwing the, the grade curve off in the class. Right, because it's a, it's a bunch of people who attended the study session all... Uh, all got noticeably higher grades on the test mm-hmm. the day after. So, with the exception being Araragi, who got a perfect uh, score despite not having been a part of the study group. 
Uh, and we learn that Sadachi has a huge resentment for his ability to do math that is not quite apparent until later on why that is. We'll be discussing <laughs> it in 15 minutes. So yeah. we don't need to be that coy. <laughs> but they, there is a, a sort of an ongoing theme throughout this, uh, throughout all of the ORIs of forgetting the past and forgetting uh, pain and forgetting... Uh, and also forgetting things that you should you should remember and should have gratitude for, uh, which plays into why Sadashi has this resentment for him. Uh, there's a lot of sort of Aragi making wild guesses in the dark, like just like it's it's presented as him. He he he'd completely forgotten this incident, and then Ogi is kind of teasing it out of him with like you know weirdly probing questions in he keeps asking her like what what do you actually know about this and she says i don't know anything uh it's what you know and that's kind of that that becomes her catchphrase throughout uh, and i think actually back in season two she's been saying the same thing like i don't know anything it's about, about what you know right uh in insofar as the monogatari series continually puts forward these theories of epistemology these theories of how people actualize and use knowledge we've already had hanakawa whose catchphrase at least one of them um is i don't know everything i just know what i know and then uh we're introduced later on to gain izuko the sort of lead oddity hunter person out of the out of the class that includes uh uh oshino meme and kaganui and Kaiki and whatever the the dead puppets guy is that we'll be talking about in a bit. Uh, and her catchphrase is, I know everything. There's nothing I don't know. And so we have, uh, we have Hanakawa's conceptualization of just extremely interior knowledge. You just know what you know, and that's the tools you have to work with. You have Gaian articulating omniscience. And then we have Ogi, who is completely displacing, It's as opposed to Hanakawa's internal knowledge, it's entirely Ogi's external knowledge. And in fact, Ogi and Hanakawa really don't like each other uh, for reasons that are unclear, but but probably go to the fact that they, that, uh, that each doesn't like how Araragi acts under the influence of the other, for better or for worse. And so, yes, Oki uh, in general acts kind of like, well, her character design with these large, mostly black eyes, flat matte black hair, black tights, and a black gloves with two long sleeves on her school uniform that tends to obscure her hands, gives her this kind of like shadow or even almost like snakeskin character where she is kind of the leftover of a person. And when it eventually becomes clear who she is, because it quickly becomes apparent in even as early as Ogi formula, if not, you know, in earlier series uh, of the show, that she is not a normal person and that she has this intense aura of menace and she knows things that she can't know. And she's very good at one when people point out there's no way you could know that, which is something that Hanakawa does repeatedly. She's very good at being like, oh, well, I made an educated guess based on this and that. And it just, there's a good building up of uncanniness with, with Oshino Ogi in terms of how 
an uncanny guess once is neat, cool, interesting, but someone who is constantly being able to basically, in in the case of Ogi Formula, rebuild a completely lost memory that Aragi had that he that he seems to have honestly repressed and for understandable reasons because of I wouldn't say of the two locked room mysteries that transpire in uh in Awari Monogatari it's the most traumatizing because the other one is much more traumatizing in uh Sodachi Lost which is two two arcs later but it's definitely like a shitty situation uh where the authority figures have definitely failed and the two two characters are presented as like moral characters uh oikura uh, and aragi are put at loggerheads because of that and cement a hate that they necessarily didn't have to have set in stone between them but mm-hmm. yeah and the uh so to just to to, to finish off the yes. uh the synopsis they originally they they it comes to the point where Sadachi basically calls for everybody to take a, a vote. Well, Araki's like get tries to like say like this is this is crazy. Let's just stop this, and she gets yeah. so mad at him because yeah, she yeah she reasons. basically <laughs> yeah she she locks everybody in the room and says we're not leaving here until somebody admits to having done this, and everybody starts accusing each other. Everybody just wants to leave like nobody is interested in this like she is you know she's fixated on trying to uh expose what's happening here because she sort of uses her like her entire identity is being good at math and somebody undermining that uh is a, a direct attack on her personally uh she eventually calls for the class to just take a vote and say okay who do you think did this and the whole class blames her and she then exits the class and refuses to return back to school. Uh, right. And Aragi points out that that it makes no sense for Oikrit to have done it because she is the one who called the session and she's the one who said that they couldn't leave until they found a culprit and she's the one who called the final vote that incriminated her. It would be completely nonsensical for it to be her fault. But just because she's the irritant, she's the one who's who's singled out. And what's even worse is that during these whole proceedings, their teacher was present. Yes. And during the vote, the teacher also fingered uh, Sadachi. And Ogi, of course, being Ogi, immediately figures out that, oh, what must have happened is the study group was working. The teachers uh, saw that uh, the leftovers of the work that was on the board knew that if the class did well, it would boost her own uh it would boost her own rating with her uh, bosses and, you know, basically structured the test to uh, structure the test to make herself look good. And then basically threw Sadachi under the bus when she insisted on pressing the issue. And it was this that sort of sent Aragi over the over the, the deep end because his whole character is basically, you know, he you know he he fights for justice he has a very strong sense of justice he he and it's something he grapples with throughout the series and when he is confronted with this obvious injustice and he he actually phrases it as uh this is the first time he realized that majority rule could determine what was true and not just 
what people wanted. And he realized that, you know, the pursuit of justice is a fake idea because it's justice is just whatever people say it is. And it's this that leads him to reject the idea of intermingling with other people. And that's the whole, you know, origin of his catchphrase, you know, I don't have friends because it will reduce my intensity as a human being. Uh, which, you know, the rest of the Monogatari series is basically just unpacking that idea and proving it wrong. Uh, and it's, and I, and, and for the, and for the most part, that's, that's the end. Like it's, it's a very sort of simple locked door mystery. As soon as he figures this out, the, you know, the doors that have locked them in open up and Oshino, you know, Ogi tells him, Oh, you can go now. And then he's like, what do you mean I can go now? And it's like, Oh, I mean, we can go now. And the one thing that, <laughs> that I, I love about this is that they, they do everything they can to make it very clear that there's something up with Ogi and they scream in your face. She is the darkness. She is the overarching tool of the universe that, that enforces like balance. You know, the, in the second series, there was the, like the big ball of blackness that chased down uh, Mayoi Hachikuji and had also uh, been chasing Oshino, uh, I should say, Kiss Shot when she had been gallivanting around Japan in the 1600s. And the show does everything it can to make you think that she's the darkness. And but even when you like the the final reveal happens, like there is still little hints that that is not the case that you will just miss until like the second or third viewing, which is what it was like for me. Yeah. Yeah, no, I do agree. And there's interesting with the way that that Oshino Ogi and Araragi are paired, where Araragi is very concerned with the rightness of his actions, if we're going to go ahead and use the way that English splits uh, the difference between rightness and correctness. Araragi is very concerned with rightness. Ogi mm-hmm. is very concerned with correctness. And yeah. so this often leads to a point where to be correct, there's only a single answer, but to be right is a much softer issue. And this is why Aragi tends to lack the focus that Oshino does, but also Oshino tends to, Oshino Ogi tends, since there are three unrelated characters with that last name, <laughs> yeah. uh, Oshino Ogi tends to to lack the kind of compassion and context that Aragi does. So they make a pretty good pairing in that. I, mm-hmm. this as the second time I've watched uh, Awari Monogatari, I found uh, Ogi a lot more annoying uh, because, <laughs> well, we'll cover this more once we get to uh, Zoku Awari Monogatari, our, our third show that we're covering. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, I do like, the things I like about Ogi formula, uh, I think that the the turn, uh, the sort of 12 Lilindians, because now that's outdated to make that reference and mm-hmm. kind of offensive, but the, the uh, Agatha Christie moment where, uh, where Ogie's like, you said every seat in the classroom is filled while you, when you stood at the front of the desk, but wouldn't your seat be empty? And he's like, Oh yeah, you're right. And she's like, and she points out that the teacher was in the desk and she so realized the teacher is present and she is there watching her students fight over this, this issue so that, I think that is is nice just from a dramatic point of view. And I also think that the idea of majority rule and consensus reality play really well together because we've learned over the course of the previous series that 
kai oddities aberrations are created through this sort of consensus reality of what people believe what people do literally creates changes in reality that create these monsters based on our own failings and failures to come to terms with those failings and so the idea that this majority rule literally incriminated the wrong person is kind of like sort of a proto oddity proto kai uh, in action there mm-hmm. and and there, there's also another you know very nice piece of misdirection because the the room itself is presented as being the oddity that was created in this moment and you know the fact that it only lets him out after the truth is revealed is you know plays into that it's like you know the the riddle is solved the uh the the oddity is satisfied and he's released uh and there's actually a moment where oshino uh, ogi says this is the moment when araragi was born when araragi koyomi was born and we find when we find out what she is later you know anytime she says his name she can effectively be saying her own name <laughs> uh so then we can we can move on. Well, I, I want I want one more thing to observe. This will actually feed it into the, what we're covering next with uh, the second two arcs on uh, Oikura. But I do think that the that the as much as Nisio Isen has a kind of unfortunate tendency to show his work mm. <laughs> uh, when he's done research, he's he's very happy. To run you through all the stuff that he or his research assistants have done uh, to look up math formulas, but I think that the pick, the uh, that the selection of uh, Euler's formula, in addition to just being uh, Sodachi Oikura's favorite mathematician, mm-hmm. uh, we also have this idea of this perfect one of the perfect formulas. It uses it uses the three irrational numbers. Uh, uh, in math plus one and zero so it's perfect in terms of just like encapsulating all of these different parts of math working together and yet it doesn't actually mean anything yeah it's and just that's like a, and go. yeah and he says like you know if you asked uh ogi what do you think of this she would just say well this is pointless because it just amounts to nothing again a a consistent theme throughout the oari series of you know what her deal is and what drives her Sure. And, but also, uh, it's a thing of great compl- beauty and complexity that adds up to nothing, just like the mystery of a study session that, that yields no culprit and no punishment, just like a locked room mystery that solves itself and then has no consequences. Uh, I, I think that the, the also Euler's identity stands in for the function of, of this specific arc in that we have this kind of beautiful object that serves only to be observed and doesn't actually do anything uh much like how yeah so mm-hmm. that that's uh <laughs> it just it just fills in a piece of Araragi's backstory that was already working for us and that we didn't really need to know except that it sets the stage for what actually is going to happen mm-hmm. with oikura in the next two arcs uh oikura uh, sodachi riddle and sodachi lost yeah so yeah the uh, the next arc takes place chronologically the next day after uh, they're stuck in the room. And lo and behold, the day after he remembers that Sadashi Okura exists, she's back in class. 
and she's none too happy to see him. Uh, Hanakawa tries to, you know, he's like, by the way, you know, she's here, and maybe you should give her some space because she seems <laughs> really annoyed by you, and I don't know why. Literally, literally stands outside the classroom door and tries to keep him from going in. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and she, you know, again, you know, she only knows what she knows, but she knows that something is up. Uh, and... she probably she's probably good at telling when women hate Araraki just from <laughs> the past like several months of their friendship. Yeah, and she basically stumps up to you know he goes in you know he's like oh I'll try to you know, I'll just I'll turn on the charm all the ladies like me and you know I'll just say hey you know how are you doing long time no see you know because he only now realizes you know he hasn't even thought about this girl in two years and he was instrumental in him her not being at the school for yeah she never came back to school after she got accused of of being an instrument for cheating on the test Mm -hmm. got accused by her own teacher her own math teacher her favorite subject yeah and yeah she basically tells him you know please die immediately Uh, you are the worst kind of person i hate you and you know i you know as she's screaming at him like the entire room is like tearing itself apart just in the force of her of her hatred of him which is a nice little stylistic flourish and in the middle of her rant Senju Gahara shows up with Hanakawa like hanging off of her. <laughs> oh, I was <laughs> gonna like... save. I was gonna save that for one of my favorite funny bits. But yeah, just like literally dragging Hanakawa behind her. Yeah, and yeah, and she's just like she's back on her bullshit. Like, I think she actually, uh, yeah, because like Sadachi stabs him with a pencil after he uh-huh. like you know touches her on the shoulder to like reassure, and Senju Gahara just looks at her. Only I'm allowed to stab him with stationery. Yeah, <laughs> which is like great line. Meta meta yandere jokes because yeah. Sanjo Gahara. Uh, yeah, and Sanjo Gahara clocks her in the face, and then they both leave, and Araragi is left to try to figure out, you know, why does she hate me so much? <laughs> and now we go into another another mystery. We go to uh, uh, he. We we are taken to his middle school. Um, I can't remember how they end up there. I think it was that. Oh yeah, because like basically, Oshino uh, Ogi showed up and said, "Hey, you're gonna go take me to your middle school, weren't you?" And he and all right, yeah, goes, I was. And she goes, "Yeah, you were. Let's go." And and by this point, she's already referring to herself as his beloved underclassman. And yeah, uh, I think it's Hanukawa's like, "How long have you known this girl for?" And he's like three days and she's like isn't that weird he's like yeah (laughs) and yeah and they've and they find a letter in his old shoe locker improbably and it turns out to be a weird reference to the uh the monty hall problem another math problem uh where the monty hall problem uh for anybody who doesn't know uh is an old uh, game show where the the final test for the contestant there would be three doors and the contestant would be offered to choose one. Behind one was a car and behind the other two was a goat. Uh, after you pick the uh, your door, you the first goat will, will be revealed and you'll be asked, do you want to keep this door or do you want to switch it? And the uh, you know, d- d- 
on first glance, it seems like just like a, a coin flip 50-50 because it's yeah. like one of two doors. You've, pick, but... you've picked the door, either the either the car is behind it or it's not, and it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But uh, in reality, because there's three doors, you only had a one in three chance of getting it right. And so you almost certainly should change your answer because there is a 66% chance that the other door is actually the car. And this... This this math problem is basically used as bait to get him to go to a mysterious, tumble down mansion, uh, seemingly abandoned mansion. Yeah, uh, and he remembers this happening back when he was in middle school, and this mysterious girl with white hair and twin tails uh, taught him math for a whole for a whole summer, and and he's just like. Man, yeah, it was really weird. Like, I came to this house, and it was all tumbled down, and I learned math with this girl, and then she disappeared one day. I guess, you know, that's real weird. And, you know, Oshie, you know, Ogie is just kind of poking at him like, you sure? You sure you don't know who that was? Because well, he, well, I, I think we know who it was. <laughs> he went He went there one day, and she wasn't there. And mm-hmm. then he found a letter taped under the table and couldn't solve the problem inside. And because so it was, was empty. Like, yeah. So he was like, dang. Mm-hmm. that was it <laughs> and the uh the first door is empty so to speak yeah but and yeah so you know surprising no one this was sadachi and surprising this... Aragi, it was Sadachi. yeah but <laughs> sadachi yeah because he has like a, a talent for just forgetting things that are inconvenient um and she you know she is basically the the reason that he is good at math they she had, you know, during this summer, you know, she had, you know, this mysterious girl had said, like, I want you to, to come here and learn math, but don't try to find out who I am and don't try to, to do anything. Just come here and learn math with me. Um, right. So, Ogini, uh, Ogi, Ogini. Oh, yeah. yeah. Ogini, Ogini. Ogino, Oshini. <laughs> Ogliog. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so she she eventually drags it out of them that hey remember when that girl mysteriously taught you math hey remember remember that was sadashi and he was like oh shit that was sadashi that was sadashi which is funny because in the previous arc he like dumps on her for for uh what she wants her nickname to be to be euler but everyone calls her how much because she like has a real like calculating air to her which first off like resonance resonates with me as someone who personally never tried to give himself a nickname, but saw a lot of other people try and fail. But like the girl who loves math so much that she gives that she wants people to call her after a famous mathematician. Nah, can't possibly be that other white haired girl who also loved Euler. Yeah. Dumbass. <laughs> and yeah. And also, you know, his, his dumbassery is further exposed because Ogie points out the fact that how, how tumble down was his house? Like, her being here is like, are you are you sure it was just like a, a ruined, abandoned house? And it turns out that wasn't it was it weird. Her. Yeah, wasn't it weird that she was always there before you, no matter how early you arrived? Mm-hmm. And yeah, this was this was Sadashi's house, and she was in like the like the in the eye of the hurricane of just like a terrible domestic situation. Her father was beating her mother. Her mother was beating her, and. You know, despite the fact that she was telling her, it's like, oh, don't try to find out about me. You know, she was just basically waiting for him to figure out what's going on because, hey, your parents are cops. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe do something about it. 
and you know he you know and again has a sudden realization of like oh shit i fucked up so bad and she knows they're cops because she actually got taken away from her family and kept stayed with the araragis for for a little while and then went back Mm -hmm. which is something else that he repressed yeah uh, because Arag can only know as much as the audience can know so (laughs) And yeah, which rolls nicely into the third arc of Owari Sadachi Lost. Uh, so now that Araragi has finally figured out that, hey, I've been sort of screwing this girl over like every couple of years, I should for probably a, for like. a big chunk of her life. Yeah, I should probably like go say sorry to her. Um, and is heading over to her place, and then, you know, oops, Oshino Ogi is there again. And, you know, using her powers of suggestion slash pointing out that it's kind of weird for a guy that she hates to just show up on her doorstep it might be seen as untowards and hey you should take me with you and that's when hanakawa decides that hey i'm also going to come with you which results in them having a a clue off (laughs) yeah it's like 20 questions speed 20 questions the uh basically Ogi's, uh, uh, you know, she teaches us that, you know, oh, we should, you know, we should present our case and let Aragi choose uh, who comes with us. And they're both just rattling off, you know, good points about basically like unraveling like what had happened to, uh, what had happened to Sadachi. And Aragi, you know, can't bring himself to turn Ogi down because, you know, He's built, you know, himself up, you know, in the situation where, like, oh, I'm her, I'm her over, you know, I'm her upperclassman. I need to take care of her. I can't just say no to her. It'd be too, uh, it would be too, you know, traumatic, too cruel to turn her down. And then Hanukkah says, "If you take me with you, you could touch my boobs." <laughs> which, and, which classic which Monogatari. Ends, yeah, and he, you know, and he again, like my theory that everything that Aragi says is basically him telling on himself where he says like oh I, I i knew that she wasn't gonna let me touch her boobs and that's not why i chose it yet. you know i i knew that if she said that there must be something up and that's why i chose it absolutely and you know you, you can tell that hanakawa does not believe that <laughs> and you know and, and is jabbing him for it the whole time they're there and so they they go and talk to sadachi and she says you know Basically, you know, if you could tell me why, you know, she and she, you know, she tells, you know, Aragi, you know, you know, I, you know, I don't, I hate you because you let me down. I hate you because of the way my life turned out. She was, you know, after her parents split up, she was taken to live with her mother, who, you know, became, you know, an emotional wreck and a recluse. Sadachi was left to take care of her mother, who then mysteriously vanished one day. And that's when she uh, came back to school. And if you can, you know, if if you can explain to me where my mother went, then I'll agree to come back to school. And now we have our third locked door mystery of the series. Yeah, lots of mysteries in Awari Monogatari. Um, And what it turns out is that her mother was dead had died from starving herself and Sadachi was feeding a corpse until it decayed to the point where she could no longer recognize as human. And then she concluded that her mother had run away, even though the door was locked and she did not know how she had 
gotten out and locked the door behind her. And they <laughs> basically everyone tries to tell Araragi not not to tell her that. They're like, she already knows. Yeah, and there's, there's no and way she doesn't know. There's no way she doesn't know. She's she's got a grieving process to go through, man. You gotta you just gotta let her go on her own timetable. And Aragi's like, but then I would be lying to her. Mm-hmm. So he does tell her. Yeah. And she like is appreciative, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> she takes it surprisingly well. Still decides not to come back to school because she's her like financials have been screwed up because um I can't I can't remember like there there's there's some like bureaucratic reason why she's like lost her funding and can't come back to school and she just kind she, of disappears. Yeah, she she can't she uh living on two people is is enough, but living on one person's not enough and she can't keep the she can't live here. It's easier to live somewhere else where the government dole is a better standard of living. And so and so she leaves and that's that's Oikura Sadachi out of Araragi's life. Um, and that's, I kind of feel like all seven of those episodes encompassing, uh, encompassing Oki formula parts one and two Sadachi riddle parts one and two and Sadachi lost, lost parts one through three are kind of all the piece about introducing this character kind of Araragi's first girl that he could have saved and the one he didn't save because he didn't even realize that she needs saving and and kind of how i mean i think that you're right about how araragi now as his kind of grown-up form likes women who confound him there's just the fact that besides like kanbaru and and Sinju Gahara and occasionally Hanukkah is teasing. We have Ogi who just negs him relentlessly. Like <laughs> just craps, craps on him nonstop with just like really, really bare bones flirting in between because every woman flirts with Araragi in this show. <laughs> and and then similarly, like Araragi's thing he literally says, like, how can I how can I not hate Oikura when she hates me is like the premise that we're offered at the beginning of of Sadachi Riddle. But then like he martyrs himself when when he's going, Hanukkah was like, well, you can go check on Sinju Gahara because you know she went home and had, didn't come to school after having an altercation with uh, Oikura. And I'll check on Oikura, who does not hate me like she hates you. And Aragi's like, go see my girlfriend or my mortal enemy. And he decides to martyr himself because that's like literally the only way that he can navigate difficult social situations. And I think it's mentioned later on in in what we'll be talking about that he literally cannot trust a solution that does not require pain and sacrifice from him. So it's kind of like this is the crucible that made him because he because he lived this easy life and he missed all of these clear signs that that uh, Oikura needed his help. He had three clear moments of intervention for her and he failed every single time. Um, I guess in the classroom trial that's described in Ogi formula, he like tried to intervene, but at that point she hated him too much to like for them to make common cause. Uh, But, but there is this idea that like, that's where he got his complex 
And and in the process, she became this ultimate antidote to Aragi bullshit, which is a girl who is afraid of being happy and ha- hates anyone who tries to help her. And it's I like that. I like that more than than Ogi as the antidote to Aragi as as the smug, all knowing, playful person who's just trying to correct things rather than make them right. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of my reading of the balance of those characters in these seven episodes. Yeah. Yep. And, she's, and, and Oikura's got that great Asuka energy with like the Kirai, 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 yeah. Kirai, Kirai. <laughs> it, 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 the fact that, cause like I'm used to Asuka just repeating it three or four times, but, but there's a run where Oikura repeats it like 18, 19 times. And it becomes like upsetting of just like someone screaming, I hate you over mm-hmm. and over and over again because of someone who as she describes him someone who thinks water who thinks that it boils without assistance i think is her is her analogy yeah i don't know yep, that's my yep. reading of the situation yeah yep yeah um for this for this whole arc i was so fixated on ogi especially knowing what becomes of her that this these these three sort of read to me because like way back in that first fevered Bakemono Bakhtari episode that we did, I had put forward the theory that the whole show is basically just about Araragi and that every character is basically just a reflection of him in some way. And that the whole thing is just about him figuring his own shit out. And it turns out that I was right, <laughs> but not until Owari Monogatari where that is almost literally the entire like thrust of the the this whole arc this whole series basically uh i i like to think of like the like the the big three thematic uh thrusts of the show in the first uh bakamonogatari nisimonogatari uh like like the first series that it's it's araragi trying to solve the problems of haunted girls the second series is all haunted girls trying to solve the problem of araragi either through helping him or through killing him and then the third series is Araragi trying to solve the problem of Araragi. And right. It's almost grotesque in in the Sodachi stuff how Araragi, how thoroughly Araragi makes it about himself. And like that is like that is exactly why why uh, Sodachi Oikura hates him because because it's just everything he's like. He is a the world's most helpful narcissist is kind yeah. of kind <laughs> of the thing there. And like, yeah, there's going to be someone who hates that. And it's kind of nice to meet basically two people. I'm doing scare quotes, two people in the same <laughs> the same arcs that both just like have no patience for because we've we've joked before about how like. Sunjukahara and Hanakawa have learned to work around Araki. Yeah, and they to manage not, him. Not to damage his ego or make him feel like he could solve a problem by cutting off an arm, say. Uh, <laughs> s- but it's nice to have people who, someone who's just literally like, I don't want to be your friend. I don't want to talk to you. I hate you. I think that you're a fundamentally bad person and I don't want you in my life. And Aragi's like, how can I fix this? <laughs> how can I fix this? Yeah, so yeah. I, I enjoy that. Also, quick question. Mm-hmm. Is Araragi the only character in the show who doesn't have a broken family? 
Um, well, I wouldn't call his family strictly healthy. <laughs> is Araragi the is... only character who has both parents married to each other and not weirdly abusive to their kids? <laughs> yeah, nobody's dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're not home a lot, although he, he says in the narration all the time that they're home all the time. We just never see them. Yeah, so. yeah. Like they, they eat dinner every night. His sisters get him up every morning. Like, he seems like... You know, the show has like, you know, this is the, you know, the classic going back to, you know, he is just, he's a narcissist and he is an unreliable narrator because the world is empty except for the, you know, the couple people that he cares about, despite, you know, us being told over and over by characters who aren't him or just by him by accident, all of this other stuff is happening and he's just ignoring it and yeah. forgetting about it it reminds and... me of we won't we won't cover it we'll i mean so i won't forget this when we get to the end of awari monogatari 2 like it's actually what makes it weird during that end sequence when a character we don't recognize just like runs down the stairs and leaves and it's just like oh yeah there's like an entire school full of people not araragi and the eight women he actually cares about in his life yeah and of course that that person that we don't recognize is somebody who seems to be in the throes of some kind of crisis and he scampers off to help them. Um, and uh, quickly jumping back to the idea that uh, Aragi is confronted by the for the first time of somebody who just does not want him in his life and thinks he's a fundamentally bad person that dovetails nicely into the next art, Shinobu Mail. <laughs> uh, so this is the missing piece of second series. Um, there is three there so all during the uh uh monogatari white when hanakawa is dealing with her tiger problem aragi is just sort of mysteriously missing he is uh you know he he's he's sending texts with confusing uh punctuation and he snatches up kanbaru in the middle of the of their issues and now we finally get to find out what the hell is going on there Mm mm-hmm uh, and it turns out he was having a, a shonen battle in a completely different show. <laughs> <laughs> a, a less introspective, less meditative show. Yeah. So, yeah, this is uh, basically uh, our, the, the Shinobu's first uh, sire that she had created way back in the day. Uh, whose name is Seshiru Shishiri. Although they which, refer to him thoroughly as the first minion or yeah. the first, first whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The first, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, he has, you know, it turns out, you know, Shinobu told him that, oh, he, you know, I turned him into a, a vampire almost by accident because the, the darkness tried to gobble me up. You know, it gobbled him up. I got his hand. I bit it, drank its blood, and it turned back into him. He didn't like that. Walked out into <laughs> as a the, vampire hunter. He did not like becoming a vampire. Yeah, walked out into the sun and blew up. Yeah, Chronicles of Riddick. Yeah, uh, or Pitch and, Black actually. Yeah, or is and it then, I don't remember. Those I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and now he is mysteriously back. Uh, he has been floating around the earth as ashes, trying to reamalgamate until he settled somehow in uh the north shira heavy shrine uh that lovely little air pocket of oddity activity that centers around a lot of the previous stories and the 
and and comes back and a uh, guy in Izuko shows up with uh episode who was one of the uh the three vampire hunters who was originally hunting shinobu down in Kizumonogatari and basically tells him you know he wants his spot back at her side shinobu is not in any way interested he wants to uh she wants him to go away doesn't want anything to do with him and so the first basically just bullies Aragi into having uh, you know a proper samurai duel, uh, which knowing, they have knowing full well that he's going to smear Aragi onto the pavement because he's yeah incredibly powerful compared to our shitty little fast healing boy. So. Yeah, uh, but he uh, he gets the upper hand. He snatches the the seal off of the the shrine that Oshino had given him to put on way back during uh, Bakumonogatari slaps it on this dude's chest. He turns into a big pile of goo. Oh, Shinobu shows up at the last second to basically, you know, make amends with him and then eat him. And then that's the end. And we just have like a weird little like patch of a story that, and I think it's the only one that actually ends in something other than just a big long conversation. Yeah, like I mean, there is like there's stuff I like in Shinobu Mail. I really like. Okay. I mean, we've only ever really seen Kanbaru as a clown, besides Hanamonogatari, which kind of stands on its own. Is this really the, the weirdest tone of the series by far, mm-hmm. uh, largely because of the the overwhelming absence of Aragi for most of it. Um, yeah. so I kind of enjoyed the fact that we have this whole scene where, where, I mean, I, re- I remembered Kanpar standing up to Sh- Shinobu, who is planning to literally just ghost on the first minion, like let Aragi kill him and she won't have to talk to him. And Kanpar like, no, y- no, y- you owe it to him to tell him how you feel. And she's like, well, I don't, I don't want to, and it won't do anything because I can't be with him. And she's like, you, you deserve you just she deserves to hear you say that like it's crueler it's crueler not to turn him down than to turn him down and it was a moment of real uh of real strength and a rare example of people standing up to shinobu's kind of dimness and conceitedness mm-hmm. that we're kind of used to with her where araki spoils the shit out of her and most of the other characters ignore her except for yatsuki who antagonizes her a little bit in an extremely playful way and so to have them to have them wrestling and to have Kanbar Bar clearly pulling from her own feelings of watching her presumably her former lover in Sinjugahara now hook up with one of her friends and that door is just closed forever we get that kind of that kind of emotional maturity in in Kanbar that we don't really see I mean, she's, she begins that arc um, pretending that Aragi invited her to the cram school to have sex. And then there's like a, mm-hmm. a flash of like her doing a bunch of like super like hentai dojin poses with like uh, like tongue through fingers and leg locks and stuff. And so to have a sex joke character be the one that's like, no, you, you've got you owe you owe it to people to let them know how you feel about them. It's not it's not OK just to let let events sort themselves out so i really enjoyed that in terms of building it out um Mm. and kind of i don't know i don't 
I tried to keep track of all the references I could, but there were some that I didn't get, like when Kanbaru was saying, like, well, if you didn't invite me out, I would just be reading Shugoro Yamamoto. And I was like, oh, an author. Authors rec- uh, referencing authors always means something in works, right? And Nisio Isin is presumably very well read. But he's a mostly like a a child story writer and and <laughs> kind of writes just like, you know, pleasant traditional uh stories that involve you know the underdog and like authorities or authorities probably on the wrong side unless it's you know helping the weak and it's just it's it's a very boring writer and so i was like oh it's just it's just meant to make it's meant to make conbar sound really basic so (laughs) so i enjoyed that and it's kind of to contrast her with her with her aunt izuko gaian who i'd guessed in previous wondered in previous episodes if she was had an evil intention um if she was actually omniscient and i think that the that shinobu male plays with that a lot where where she whether or not she knows everything she knows that that the power of knowing everything works really well especially on dupes like araragi who she controls effortlessly just by bringing up the language of fault and responsibility and and we kind of there's a brief flash where we get references to romance of the three kingdoms which thanks to the total war game i've had on my mind again and yeah. compares Gaian to to Liu Bei, who is all you know, always does the the right thing, and whose just extreme moral rectitude is has this deforming effect on on the social networks around him, where people can't help but just be attracted to his rightness. And it's kind of funny that that's positioned as Gaian's characteristic rather than Araragi's, and then we get a flash of of uh, Lubei's uh, blood brother from the peach tree uh, orchard oath, Zhang Fei, who is who is a drunken, brutish lout who just loves to fight. And I guess that's Kaganui. I don't know. <laughs> so there was a lot of dense stuff there that I that I did enjoy. And I, I did, you know, enjoy that it ends with Aragi being like, guess I'm not special. And Senjo Gahara is like, you will never be special, but you can be special to me. And I don't know. I think that, that these last show episodes do a good job of like selling the romance between Araragi and Sinjo Gahara in a way that the show has previously not been particularly interested in besides the end of Bakemonogatari. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So that's what I have to say about Shinobu male. <laughs> <laughs> there is, does, isn't this also where he has a conversation with, uh, with Sinjo Gahara kind of a brief wrap up there though where you'll never be special but you'll be special in the eyes of someone else when he's talking with her but but beyond that we don't really have much of a wrap-up mm-hmm. um yeah and there's also a like this is like and shinobu male uh this arc has it it, it is like nisio isen desperately trying to tie everything together and this is also sort of secretly the the origins of Ms. Ogioshino. Uh The actual like the step by step like of how it actually happens is so convoluted. Um, I think we it, it comes up a bit later, but basically she is the product of this interaction 
Oh, maybe we'll come back to this later. Sure. Oh, yeah. I, I, well, I don't know. I, I, All this is so intertwined. I know. Yeah, I, it's, I, it's, I agree it's completely. Do we want but, to talk about Gaian then? Because I think Gaian is the is the the big force looming over here. Because she's flitted in and out in previous series, but this is the one where she is basically present, telling Araragi what to do and kind mm-hmm. of calling the shots here. Yeah, like this is like this is the closest to the, to having a plot that Monogatari ever really has. Uh, that we find out that the the town is in uh, a sort of a state of crisis because uh, of Shinobu uh, showing up as Kiss Shot and you know basically creating this like this vortex of like bad energy and Guy and Izuko's solution to that is we need to install a new god at this shrine so that these weird things stop happening mm-hmm. and basically puts Araki in charge like the reason we got uh Kuchinawa-san inhabiting Nadako was that seal that she ate was given to Araki by Gaian presumably so that he would give it to Shinobu mm-hmm. and that she would be installed but he refused to do it because you know as we know Araki doesn't give up on anybody for any reason regardless of how bad things get even if they <laughs> well we'll get to that in next uh, the next yeah. series but even um, if they're a little antithesis of being for him so yeah. and the uh and if you remember back in the days when we were talking about uh uh what was it koyomi monogatari calendar story the last episode ends with guy and izuko confronting araragi and saying i've I've done the math. I'm I've figured out like the, the weak link in my plans that have, you know what the reason things haven't come to fruition and it's you. And she kills him with the big sword that she shouldn't have. But she does somehow mysteriously. She cuts up to a million pieces and that leads us into the next ep- arc, Maui Hell. This is the first of uh, Awari Monogatari 2. And chronologically, this is kind of weird because like, like basically the, the entirety of Awari Monogatari 1 takes place over the, over the period of about a week. And it's the same week that also everything, like half of second season happens. And then this actually happens directly after the other half of second season. So it's all... So this is like, you know, one... you know. The first half of this has all been things that happened a while ago. And like even Nisio Eason gets confused by this because like there's a couple of throwaway lines in the second series when Oe is talking about things that seem to be out of order. And so it's like it's nobody can be blamed for getting confused about what the hell is going on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, Aragi is dead now. He's dead and in hell. And who does he meet there? But Hachikuji. And boy, do they meet again. <laughs> this has got to be probably the the most graphic and the most troubling of the Hachikuji molestation scenes. It's like, there's no other way to, yeah, other yeah. Thing to call it. Unfortunately, I mean, we were joking about that, like, troubling relationship chart for Monogatari. But just like, uh, I, I forget what exact words they use when they're when they're talking about Araragi and 
and uh, Miyoi's relationship. But I think it's like whatever this relationship is, it's really problematic. Yeah. And yeah, it's the way that he like basically what it reminds me of is like when I haven't seen my cat in a long time. Yeah. And I'm really happy to see my cat and I will pick him up and I will kiss his forehead and I will spin him around and I will rub his tummy and then I'll touch all the jelly beans on his feet and then I'll tug his tail and eventually he'll bite, hiss and bite me and run away. Because, <laughs> yeah. and that's literally what happens to Maoi, except that she's a person and except mm-hmm. that she's an 11 year old girl. Yeah. <laughs> and um, also some of the touchings are sexual, which they are not with my cat. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which is good. Which is good. Yeah. I mean, me not being sexual with my cat is good. Aragi being sexual with Mayoi is bad. Yes, so. it's bad. It's bad. And yeah, and this this little arc basically is just Aragi grappling with the idea that you know he's dead now, and maybe that's for the best. And Hachikuchi basically talking him out of it and saying, "Hey, there's actually a way for you to come back to life. Follow me back to the because like they." They wake up in, you know, in hell, and but of course hell is just like a weird upside down version of the normal world. Well, that, that's actually um, they wake up in the deepest level of Naraka, which is Buddhist hell. They wake up in Avicii, uh, which is the uh, deepest level. You only get there for committing one of the five grave offenses, which are intentionally killing one's father, intentionally killing one's mother, killing an enlightened being, shedding the blood of a Buddha. Or creating a schism within the community of Buddhists trying to attain enlightenment. So, why Araragi... I mean, Araragi probably has the best claim to being there, but why Mayoi and... <laughs> uh, was it Tadetsuru or whatever his name is? Mm-hmm. Takadetsuru. Uh, why they're there? Not so sure. I think it's probably just aesthetics, like a lot of Nisio Isin yeah. research-related stuff. Well, they, they say that Mayoi is in hell because... If if a child dies before its uh, before its parents, it will spend the rest of eternity collecting rocks on the banks of hell, which is based on uh, a folk tale uh, from uh, one of the the classic Japanese collections of stories. And she basically says, that, you know, "So what are you doing all the way down the in the in the deepest depths of hell? You're supposed to be on the banks of hell." And she's like, "Oh, I just asked for some time off to come get you." And he was <laughs> like, "What? That that, that seems weirdly." <laughs> Like, oh, this is hell it doesn't seem very strict and so she drags him back to back up to the top of hell or something i'm not really sure it looks like the the north shira heavy shrine again mm-hmm. and he finds tadatsuru the uh the mysterious glowing uh uh kai expert that he had encountered during uh the abduction of his sisters uh, which occurred directly after the events of Medusa uh, and Nautico turning, you know, back into her old self. Uh, and then Yat and then Yatsuke murked him with her unlimited rule book. And so, you know, that's why he's in hell. But also he was already dead and or was something. living through a puppet. Yeah. He tried to turn himself into an immortal puppet, but instead killed himself and now interacts with the living world through puppets so even though but it was important for reasons that i was not a hundred percent sure on that Mm. they thought they'd killed him the real him yeah um when in fact he was returning to hell so he could prepare the way for resurrecting our rocky which is what both mayoi and 
what's his face? I wish I could remember his name. Uh, Teori? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and, and this is what I got from it was it was just like plot stuff. It was just like, you know, Nisio used to have himself into a corner. And so he was just kind of like working it out while still trying to maintain the illusion that everything here also, you know, is, you know, very intentional. Everything was planned out. Yep, yep, yep. That's exactly he needs to He needs to die here. so he can stop being a vampire and they can resurrect him as a human so that he won't yep. turn into a vampire, which was the crisis presented in Tsukimonogatari. So. Yeah. And yeah, at one point, Maui says that, you know, he's like, if I die and come back to life, that just amounts to nothing. And she's like, well, actually, well, there's, you die and come back to life, but there's also, uh, uh, there's also a, a subtraction happening. And the subtraction is the contract between him and Shinobu mm-hmm. is now null and void because he is dead. And sure enough, upon his uh, resurrection, a, you know, Kiss shot Asiario Orion heart under blade is back in all of her glory and just about to kill Izuko. And she asks very nicely, Please call off your friend. I don't want to die here. <laughs> and yeah, that is uh, the end of that. We well, we also get uh, a whole explanation as to you know, basically Izuko saying the you know, Izuko guy and saying that you know what's been happening here there is you know somebody in this town who's been working against me uh i knew it wasn't you because you're not smart enough for that uh but i needed to basically get you like out of the way and on my side to uh to resolve this and it turns out that ogi is the person who tried to have you killed and all the whole bunch of times and now you know we're going we're going on the attack basically Mm mm-hmm and plot, 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 plot. Whatever. <laughs> and I have a bit less to say about about uh, Mayoi Hell. Um, just that, you know, it's again a Haragi mistrusting solution. Like, all these people did all this stuff so I could be resurrected. Well, there's probably a bunch of other people in Hell who deserve to be resurrected before me. And everyone's like, no, we, we did it for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then even so, he has to break the rules and bring Mayoi back from hell so that she can be a god. Yeah. <laughs> Which brings the best of her I bit my tongue puns with uh, Kami Mashita, with Kami being the Japanese word for god. Yeah. And that's just like, okay, sign chef kiss. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Kami Mashita literally means to be god. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I mean that's the, that's the shitty thing we've had this discussion already. That's the, the shitty thing about about Mayoi Hachikuchi is she's like in some ways the best character. She's yep. the, she's plays the best to my humor. Um, I think her vocal performance is incredibly charming and engaging. Yeah. Um, and even when we get grown up, uh, uh, Hachikuchi in Zoku Ori Monogatar, I still like yeah, just like just like her back on her bullshit. So I think everyone was happy to see her get dragged out of hell and then mm-hmm. installed as a god. So that, you know, also Hachikuji has to remind Araki that he, he wants to be alive so he can creep on women. <laughs> yep. That, that, that's again, like a consistent <laughs> thing used to get him to, you know, when he, when he heals his hand so that he can touch uh, uh, Hanakawa's breasts. Yeah, touching his uh, touching Hanakawa's boobs is what uh, snaps him out of 
Ogie's like manipulations. Yeah. I'm pretty sure there's a couple times in fucking Kitsumonogatari, there's like some of the, like the, the, probably the 10 most uncomfortable minutes ever animated. <laughs> that is, that is a, <laughs> that is probably not true, but we'll pretend it is for the sake of this genre that we've chosen to love. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. yeah. So what to do with Ogie? Uh, well, what we do with Ogi for now is we ignore her and go on a date with Sanju Gahara. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Can't believe I forgot that. And yeah, this is a this is a nice little reprieve. Uh, very similar to the the first uh, date with uh, Sanju Gahara at the end of Monogatari, as you mentioned earlier. Uh, she basically has demanded that you will take me on a series of dates because we have not had any fun for the last six months, but with a crazy snake god trying to kill us. We, so now... we are going to graduate high school without having really gone on that many dates. Yeah. And so she takes him to the observatory because she likes stars. She likes space. She wants to be an astronomer, which I think is a very, it's like, it, it, it's, it's a very nice little look into her in a way that like, it, it's something that she wants and has nothing to do with him. Mm-hmm. Like her motivation for getting him t- into the right school is so she can come with him. But she has a goal she has interiority like this show more or less like once somebody has like figured out what they want has like solved their problems like that's when they start to phase out of the show and Sendra Kahara basically figured out what she want needed in the first series and mm-hmm. so we've never really gotten much you know much from her you know it, you, when she's uh you know threatened by uh Nautico, she brings in Kaiki and you know, again, like we get, you know, some really nice, you know, some really nice time with her, but then she again vanishes and we've, we never even get like a, a perspective story from her, which is like, like it, it, and it make it makes sense because like, like Hatagi Sanjigahara is the one person who Aragi loves, but never really grasps like she is always the one in the driver's seat in their relationship like she you know more or less bullies him into every date that they've been on and then like just mercilessly mercilessly roasts him the whole time that they're on these dates and you know as you know for being such a proactive like martyr of a character she is always the one in the driver's seat, you know, quite literally in the, in the seat, in this case, because like she, you know, for the last six months, like, you know, she was a shoe in for all of her colleges. And so she had spent all of her time learning to drive. And so, you know, she shows up to his house, you know, driving a car and he's like, wait, like, you could drive. She's like, yeah, yeah. That's what I've been doing for those last six months. He's really freaked out about it too, which is, yeah. (laughs) And yeah. And yeah, she, takes him on a nice little date they go to the uh uh, they go to the planetarium you know he falls asleep he has a a weird aside with ogi in his dreams about constellations which seemed very heavy on symbolism but i didn't get a whole hell of a lot out of it did you get anything out of that no no i (laughs) i mean i think it was i i honestly think a lot of it is is sandbagging pending the reveal of ogi's identity Um, yeah but yeah no i i mean the the most the most important symbolism comes when he's awake later where uh where 
she talks about mapping the universe and Mm -hmm. describes herself as the next you know uh tadataka who was the the first made the first modern map of japan uh and she says she'll make a map of the universe but it's not going to be like a like a, a flat sheet actually the universe is shaped like a like a fan mm-hmm. and the word for fan is ogi and yeah. aragi's like huh and that's all <laughs> for now yeah. but yeah and and again like giving you you know shouting hints at you that oh ogi is the universe ogi is the darkness but no 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 <laughs> And yeah, they continue their their date. Uh, she then starts to challenge uh, challenge him to a series of like feats of strength. Like you know, first she wants to beat him at bowling. You know, the the stakes of which are you know whoever loses has to be like you know the slave to the other one forever. And Aragi's like sure, and then it turns he like wins, and then she's like hmm, all right, let's go to karaoke, and whoever wins this has to become the other person's slave. And he's like sure, and then he wins again, and she's like hmm. <laughs> It's fun. I, the, what I like about that scene is that these scenes, especially, is that Sindragahara puts off such an air of hyper competence that yeah. it never really occurred to you that she might be bad at games. <laughs> <laughs> and so you're like, wow, maybe there's some meaning to this. It's like maybe Sindragahara is just not great at bowling. Granted, like he barely beats her in every single game through like yeah. through some accident, but nevertheless. Hmm. Uh, yeah, and eventually, you know, he, you know, he has to apologize to her. He's like, you know, uh, you know, you planned all this, but I didn't do anything for you. And she was like, well, in, uh, you know, to say you're sorry, you will have to be my slave forever. And, you know, basically just strong arms him into the, the situation that she was trying to position him in this whole time. And then basically says, like, I want you to call me by my first name, which, you know, in Japan is a. It is a big deal. It is like it's very, it's a lot of intimacy, at least. Yeah, and yeah, and you know, she calls him Koyomi, and she he calls her Hitagi, and it's all very sweet and cute. It's. I mean, and, it's it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah that's, I, I I love the things I love about Sinjigahara are usually her meta awareness, like in in a Warrior Monogatari being like, I'm the one who uses stationery to stab people. Yeah, um, or she, or in this where she's like, if you haven't noticed, I haven't been in this, I haven't been in the show very much lately, which I always, <laughs> I I come before, <laughs> I've 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 come, when we've come to that before, I've said that I really like that, or when she does a really uncanny um, in, imitation uh, of her voice actress, um, <laughs> it's like she knows that she's a fan favorite. Uh, mm-hmm. Which she is, if you ever look up the subreddit r Sinjogahara, uh, which is which is in a deep, bitter, and permanent feud with r Hanakawa. Um, so, so it's easy to forget that like this show often, this dumb, perverted show can often have some really sweet moments, mm-hmm. and where where she just plainly and directly asks him like call me by my name he's like what Gahara? and she's like no call me by my by my name and he's like Hitagi and it's sweet it it feels mm-hmm. it feels yeah. authentic in a show that is often choked to the gills with artifice just, just yeah. loves its artifice artifice of artifice so mm-hmm. And, you know, you can even, like, go back to their first date where she was, you know, conniving to get him to call her Hitagi mm-hmm. way back then, which he has resisted ever since because it just wouldn't be right. 
<laughs> and he, you know, he he comes home to find Ogie waiting for him at his front door uh, and says, I know that Gaian is setting you up against me. I know you think I'm the darkness, but I'm not. I'm something else. And I want you to help me in this and reject her. And that takes us into the last arc of Owari Monogatari 2, Ogi Dark. Yep. Uh, yeah. So we're in the home stretch of Owari Monogatari. Yeah, we're not, we're not in the home stretch of this podcast. No. Uh, but uh, <laughs> we can, I mean, we can cover this. There, for all that it takes three episodes, there's a lot of business, but it's only really yeah. about one confrontation. Yeah. The... Yeah. So finally, we are we are we are just we are we are told exactly what Ogi is. Ogi is a manifestation of Aragi's own guilt uh, at having you know, like you were saying, like he is unable to accept the idea that anything can come to him without pain, without sacrifice, and having you know had these like vampire powers he's oh he's he's relied on them and he's relied on all of these other people and all of the supernatural stuff and but deep down he was always thinking you know this can't be this easy this can't be allowed and when he encounters the darkness he suddenly has a name to put on the thing that should be coming after him right and this is when we like get the explanation for what she is it's like so Guy and Izuko had created the rainy the the rainy devil, uh, or no Guy, Guy and Toei, sorry, Toei, Kember's yeah. mother. She had created the rainy devil as basically like she had externalized all the stuff that, about herself that she didn't like, and then she killed it, and then she split up into a million pieces, and she gave a bit of it to her daughter, and then she got killed in a car accident, unrelatedly. <laughs> so Kenberu now you know because of her own. Uh, wish to change the world you know made a wish upon the monkey's paw it got grafted onto her arm and got stuck there uh having you know resisted the urge to murder aragi way back in monogatari mm-hmm. he uh then gets uh during the events of uh shinobu mail gets kanbaru involved where the you know the first man manifest for the first time and she winds up and punches the thing with her monkey arm. And then because of the, you know, the energy drain that all of the vampires have takes a bunch of that into, you know, takes a bunch of this monkey's paw, this like manifestation of all of, uh, Toei Gain's, uh, like, you know, bad feelings and bad thoughts into itself, which then subsequently gets eaten by Shinobu, which then subsequently becomes uh, Ogi. You know, that's, you know, that's where her name comes from. It's, 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 I, I refuse to believe that Nisio Eason planned this from the beginning. Like, it's just like the most convoluted reason for like, this is why this weird, dark haired, pallid girl is talking to us for all of these episodes. And it's, it's exhausting, (laughs) (laughs) but it allows us to get to the end conflict where basically she is presenting Aragi with the choice, with the opportunity to do the same thing that Guy and Toei did, which is get rid of her. Mm -hmm. 
she's been so she's been like methodically trying to like her like her whole deal is basically like you were saying correcting things mm-hmm. like she had you know she was instrumental in having kaiki attacked she was instrumental in having you know basically bullying Na- sengoku into becoming kuchinawa she was instrumental in uh, we you know we we find her in this arc trying to do the same thing to Suki and Suki is just like she's too she's just too like oblivious slash like completely happy and confident in her own self that she just like <laughs> cannot like, there's nothing to expose she has no like she's not lying to herself and so like she's you know she's the one person who's immune to Ogi's charms but like the fact that she is a manifestation of you know back when we were talking about uh ogi formula she says that you know this is where aragi koyomi was born she's talking about herself uh the fact that she is you know she's here to correct mistakes but she also seems to have an uncanny ability to just like decide what is true mm-hmm. and aragi is just compelled to go along with it both sort of stem from this, you know, this, you know, the thing that repels him and also the thing that repels him about himself are both manifested in her. And, you know, having discovered this, she's now subject to her own, uh, to her own methods. And, you know, you know, I know what I am. The darkness will come and take me away because, you know, I have been basically, you know, the darkness doesn't like it when things are, you know, when, when oddities like step out of their lane and start doing things, of their own volition as opposed to, you know, upholding their sort of weird supernatural, uh, weird supernatural roles, you know, given to them. Uh, that's when it comes and gobbles them up and it comes to gobble her up. And again, you know, Aragi back on his bullshit refuses to let her go. And at the last moment, uh, Oshino Meme returns <laughs> the original hawaiian shirt one dangling yeah. cross earring goateed chill dude yep. shows up. unlit unlit cigarette for the sake of easy anime adaptations uh-huh. and yeah and, and acknowledges her as his uh as his niece which is like just the most obvious lie ever told about oshino ogi becomes the new reality of what she is Mm -hmm. and things are resolved (laughs) yeah i so like we were talking that iragi mistrusts simple solutions um and yeah so he he really does create a monster out of his refusal to play by the rules not because Mm -hmm. the universe is punishing him because he but because he seeks to punish himself and of course this monster uh takes the form of an interlocutor because if there's one thing Araragi does, he likes to talk about things and have things explained to him. <laughs> um, but at the same time, like Ogi in her, while she does like correct and redress imbalances, she is also like, she relentlessly distracts, misleads, frustrates him. So it is literally just like she's, he's created his own his own albatross a devil to ride on his shoulders and and befuddle him and mm-hmm. in, in that conversation that they have before aragi decides to be aragi and save literally the dark avatar of his own decisions from being annihilated uh someone who has at this point existed for a handful of weeks um mm-hmm. he she 
talks about how she is blameworthy because even though Aragi is reckless and selfish and hubristic, he always strives to do good. While Ar- while uh, Ogi um, gladly commits any number of wrongs in the same of correctness, um, she's literally his polar opposite. She mm-hmm. she does bad as a way to do good um, as opposed to vice versa. Um, but then Aragi saves her, even though she's a literal manifestation of all the cheating he's done and all the flaws he has. And he's just saving mm-hmm. himself. It's, 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 it's Aragi's weird, hyper-compassionate narcissism really just boiled down into one scene that where he, where he, where he's, he's like, got the guy from the goatee universe and he's gonna like save his life because because he can't not he can't not <laughs> save somebody he will mm-hmm. literally die to save someone who who shouldn't exist and who is a part of him it's it's you know the idea of you know killing your past self so that your future self yeah it's it's a bizarre it's a bizarre scenario and one that i ultimately found kind of pat in a series that generally likes to have complicated endings because like you say mm-hmm. it really is that oshino Meme shows up and and he's like she's my she's my niece <laughs> and it's like oh okay the darkness is like sure okay that's all i needed to hear um which is funny because ogi originally tells that lie so that people won't push on it because no one really knows anything about oshino Meme. um mm-hmm. and if she'd had a more plausible lie that unfortunately required a bit more explanation she probably wouldn't have been in been been this place but how it works out means that she gets an easy ending i don't know i have i have complicated feelings about (laughs) about (laughs) how awari 2 shakes out and i'm kind of happy that zoku lets us take a victory lap but Mm. i don't know how do you how do you feel about where ogi ends up and how do you feel about the coda where everyone just like hangs out at aragi's graduation and it's just like and and oddities will never trouble them again unless Araki decides to make it happen. Yeah, um, I, I I I sort of like I read the whole thing as like the thesis of Owari in my mind is that the like y- your past is your past and you have to you can't you can't just ignore it you can't destroy it you can't kill it the you know, this is the the message that we were told in Shinobu Mail. This is the lesson that we learn. You know, you know, you know, Araragi is punished for this throughout the first half of uh, Owari One in having you know compartmentalized his history with Sadachi and her, and you know refusing to process this. And it's also a uh, a consistent theme like throughout the series. Like Senju Gahara originally. Uh, is cursed by a crab because she wants to get rid of her memories and her, like, you know, her experiences of the, of her recent past. And, you know, it, it takes everything and her weight. Like Hanakawa is constantly, you know, forgetting things, you know, conveniently so that she can maintain this persona of being a perfect person. Uh, uh, so Nadako embraces this fantasy of, you know, this forever unrequited love, uh, that can never be satisfied as opposed to facing the fact that she will be rejected and have to move on with her life, you know, a life that she could barely even imagine 
you know, occurring. Like, you know, she's, you know, she willingly becomes a, you know, a weird snake God child forever rather than deal with the fact that, Hey, maybe if you worked a little harder, you could actually have <laughs> your dreams. <laughs> you can actually like, have you know, things. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think that is ultimately the message of Monogatari, you know, up to this point and Owari Monogatari in particular is that you have to accept and, and incorporate your past as opposed to just externalizing it, killing it. Like, I think that is what, like if we, you know, if Aragi had allowed Ogi to be consumed by the darkness, he would have been doing the same thing as all of the other uh, girls had done in error before until they had been forced to confront and integrate their pasts and him, you know, him symbolically, you know, him literally rescuing him or her is him symbolically rescuing himself as opposed to just allowing himself to be destroyed. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I just, I just don't really like Oki as a character, honestly. Yeah. I, I, she's a shit stir. Um, <laughs> but no, and it's, it's interesting and sort of like to, to McLuhan it up, like the medium is the message. This is a show where event builds on event and it's important to know everything that's come before because otherwise later events won't be as meaningful and that's what leads to this awful suicide pact that is trying to get people into monogatari series by being like <laughs> okay you gotta watch baki monogatari and nisa monogatari and they're gonna creep you the fuck out but then it's gonna become a really good show about the nature of truth and reality and what we owe ourselves as moral people yeah <laughs> <laughs> if you don't like and, if you don't watch that it's like the um it's like the nick creamer article about about monogatari being a problematic fave there's no like cliff notes way that you can get people through baki monogatari and especially nisa monogatari yeah. and if there would i don't even know if it'd work because you kind of have to like sit in the mud and then you can go take a shower you're like man the shower is good and if you just step straight in the shower it'll still probably be pretty good don't yeah, think yeah, I mean, yeah. If you were if you were determined to be an apologist for every little thing in Monogatari, you could even say that <laughs> the darkest moments of the show, you know, accepting that and you know experiencing that and accepting that as being part of the whole, is necessary to you know to to fully experience. Sure, and and the show is so much about like showing that people have viewpoints, and that's why the show loves its camera sound and its picture of eye, its shots of eyes mm -hmm. because everything is being seen by someone it's a show that more than most shows more than most of any visual media really tries to make you aware that this is all being viewed by someone that there is no view mm -hmm. from nowhere with monogatari most of the time it's araragi and when it isn't when it's kaiki uh in at the end of monogatari series second season or when it's kanbaru and hana monogatari the show feels different because mm -hmm. it's not it's both not focusing on this, the literal themes and vignettes that Aragi focuses on, but there's also just a lot less fan service. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, on every level, it really is about these like perspectives and how perspectives have to be integrative. I, I guess. Yeah, you're fine. Whatever. I sure I like the end. <laughs> I like the the end end more, but yeah. Well, yeah, like the end end the. Uh, so that, yeah, that that brings us into Zoku Ori Monogatari, the series, the, the sequel to the, to the end of the series. Speaking <laughs> speaking of perspectives, speaking of integrating things, <laughs> yeah. So this 
this is like like you were saying like this is the victory lap like i remember you describing nissi monogatari as being this just like totally indulgent victory lap but this is absolutely what this is like this is just like nissio eason like had a bunch of unused ideas and it was just like i'm gonna use all of them now oh <laughs> uh, yeah i mean it's literally as we come to the end of the show it's literally a show about what we leave behind and mm-hmm. so it's literally just all the things that Nisio Eason had to leave on the cutting room table. And he's like, well, what about a mirror world where they're all different? <laughs> That's how he yeah, sounds. So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Him talking to himself in the mirror. What if, what and, if I, yeah. what if I walk away from my mirror and my mirror stays still and then I touch my mirror and I get sucked in and then, um, we're in a wacky mirror world. Then the kids don't make sense. <laughs> my, my big, my, Big little sister is short, and the small preteen girl I molest sometime is now a hot 19 year old. Yeah, 20 year old who makes me really uncomfortable. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, and like this becomes like just like, you know, a fourth like weird locked door, you know, locked room mystery of just Aragi wandering around, going through like weird little like alternate versions of every of one of the characters. Trying to figure out what the hell is going on. And the long and short of it is basically, it, it, it's a mirror world, but in a very weirdly literal sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, when, like a, like, a mirror reflects light, but it doesn't reflect all of the light. Uh, a normal mirror will, like, end up absorbing, like, 20% of the light that hits it. And so we're told, this, at least. Yeah, this is, this is, like, yeah, this is, like, you know, definitely one of Nisio Eason's research assistants went out to the wikipedia for like how does a mirror work <laughs> found this so yeah aragi finds himself in a weird mirror world and first he's and the whole thing is basically just him trying to figure out what the heck is going on and it's just an opportunity to see like lots of weird stuff like yatsuki is like extremely extra and animated and hyper with like crazy eyebrow game which i when i saw that i was like i want to i want to see what ben says has to think i've already talked about yatsuki's eyebrows (laughs) to be fair so like you know who also has good eyebrows sadachi (laughs) <laughs> who is who is friendly and his like adoptive sister and yeah. is clearly trying to put our Ar- aragi in some kind of sex trap uh yeah. <laughs> also trying and, to put him in a sex trap is beautiful grown-up hachikuji who gets like this is the one thing that i can give nisu Eason credit like she does exactly to aragi what he's been doing to her the entire show where he swings mm-hmm. around and like rubs his belly and chews on his feet and while Aragi's like no ah, 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 ah. <laughs> and so yeah first off he thinks everyone's backwards because because uh, Karen's short instead of tall and kind of like nervous and submissive instead of bold and uh, what's her face Phoenix girl <laughs> yeah Suki is just like her, her yukata is on backwards yes. because again there is nothing that, you know, she, she, you know, she's, she regrets nothing. She hides nothing. She is just the person she is. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's just her. She's literally just a mere flip of herself. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah. Hanakawa is permanently the Sawari Neko and Kanbar is permanently the rainy devil. And mm-hmm. we don't get to see Sinjogahara and they make a joke about it at the end, but I don't care. I think it's shitty. And yeah. <laughs> And uh, Nautico is permanently the snake. And yeah, so everyone's just kind of like 
their other selves. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and we also, for the first time in the series, get to see Guy and Toei, the Kamburu's late mother, who is back now somehow. The like Araragi has like the big the big idea that like I got here through a mirror, so maybe reflective services have something to do with this. And he remembers that Kamburu's bathtub was supposed to have some kind of weird haunting to it, so he'll go check that out. Maybe that's a clue. And, and he nope, runs, it's just runs a bathtub. into a hot milf who wants yeah. who wants to fuck him and then have him wash her back. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, we get to see uh, like the the fourth sort of uh, motive of knowledge in Monogatari. Uh, Guy and Toei basically, you know, she knows nothing and just intuits absolutely everything. Yeah, just there, she, there, there is no knowledge. There is there are only educated guesses, and that's what she does. And so it's it's an actual omniscience as opposed to kind of Guy and Izuko's more showy self-proclamatory omniscience yeah her her theory is that knowing things puts you at a disadvantage because if something if uh like there you know there's a half-life of knowledge and so half the things that you know are already wrong so it's easier just to know nothing because then you're never accidentally knowing something that's incorrect (laughs) yeah they, they they did a good job in this show of making socrates hot and sexy to to men instead of being a weird weird argumentative asshole who doesn't bathe enough so <laughs> yeah yeah she, she literally the whole time is completely naked in a bathtub so yeah <laughs> a, a mirror flip of socrates very nice <laughs> good old socrates uh so so he gets so, yeah go ahead oh go ahead no please. okay so all right so it turns out that yeah this is a mirror world not in the sense that everything is reversed but in the sense that these are the regrets that people had left behind in the town. Uh, in uh, at the beginning of the series, it you know Aragi is in like a liminal period between having finished his having just graduated and still waiting for his uh, the results from his college like exams, and he is just sort of feeling rootless, and you know he he. He presents it as being like, oh, I'm, you know, this is an opportunity for me to be, you know, a completely different person until I real, you know, until I know what my, my destiny is going to be, mm-hmm. but not having a role and not having a clear idea of what he should be doing causes him an immense amount of anxiety. And this manifests as this whole exca- escapade right now, you know, he looks in the mirror and he, you know, he pulls you know, he he basically just starts like wallowing in his own regrets and his own, uh, uh, you know, worrying about things that he's forgotten about, and then everything that everybody else was trying to forget is returned back to the world. That's why Kanbaru is the rainy devil. That's why Senjugahara, or that's why uh, Hanakawa is the, you know, black Hanakawa again, and you know, he 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 eventually figures this out, and there's a a a moment where. Uh, Gaian basically tells him about the time that she created the Rainy Devil and basically tells him like you know this was a way for me to deal with my own darkness and I regret it and I you know I want you to like to not do this well, I want she, you to she says she admires him for not killing his own darkness for accepting it yeah. as part of him mm-hmm. and she tells him you know you know, by, by, by like scratching it into his back, <laughs> go to your high school to find your partner, <laughs> you know, and 
the partner turns out to be Oshino Ogi. Uh, and he, you know, he decides like, oh, I'm going to be going back to the school, so I should be wearing my uniform. Uh, so he goes back to his house and finds not his uniform, but Ogi's uniform. And he's like, okay, yeah, this makes sense because this is the mirror world. This is where she's from. And so he wears her uniform. And one of one of my, this is something that I am, I, I have no idea if this was planned because Nisio Eason works with uh, a uh, another uh, creator, Take, I, I think it's Take that does all of the illustrations for the light novels. Mm-hmm. And he did all of the character designs based on his works. And he was the one who created the idea that Ogino Oshi has these floppy sleeves on her uniform. But of course, when Araragi wears it, it fits it perfectly. Uh-huh. Yeah. I noticed that too. It's, I, I, I'm sure it's kismet, but it's still neat to see in action. But in fact, mm. what we find out is that Araragi is mistaken and that Ogi is not his mere self. He's just changing reality with his own conviction, changing the mere mm-hmm. reality with his own conviction that he that she belongs in it and that, you know, she is his yeah. mere self. Um, and that's just imperative to get him the fuck out of there as fast as possible. Yeah. And yeah, we, you know, we got sort of a... Uh, a, a a proper I want to say the word convalescence but it's not the word that I need to say it's I a, need to know the context if I'm going to help uh, like when they because like them working out their their roles like what she's supposed to be in uh, reconciliation ah. uh, because you know Again, like Gain had wanted, you know, Gain Izuko had wanted Araragi to eliminate Oki, and he refused. And this was, you know, you know, this is Ogi's chance to basically make good. Uh, this is her opportunity to show that, you know, they could both exist in the same world and not wreck everything, mm-hmm. and she can help him keep things under control because, like, he's he's basically like, you know, he spent too much time dealing with supernatural bullshit, and he has to be very careful not to get too into his own feelings otherwise he can just like turn the world into a crazy merry world <laughs> by accident yeah so she so she gives him a mirror that reflects nothing yeah and he goes through that back to his own world and that's basically it yeah and and we get a nice you know, one last nice little moment we finally get to see Sanjuro Kahara in Zuko Arimonogatari she, you know, comes to, you know, go on a date with him and he has a, a little moment where he's standing on the edge of the curb and he was like, and he says, when I was a child, I would sometimes get into a situation where, you know, I, while waiting for the, the crosswalk light, I would start thinking about whether I should walk forward with my left foot or my right foot and I could never make the decision and I would get stuck there. And, you know, Hatagi, you know, good at you know cutting Gordian knots as she is basically says you know well it's a very simple solution you just take you know jump forward with both feet and you know she you know she she pulls him along and it's 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 a nice little little moment right at the end it's sort of you know, one of the one of the the uh you know the, the two big messages of the show is that you, your past you you know you have to accept your past and you have to accept help 
mm-hmm. you know, you, you, you have to have support. You have to, you know, you are your connections to other people and you are your past. Like you're not alone and you're not perfect. You cannot create your own perfect self by yourself. Like, and you know, this is, you know, that is, you know, everybody has this role in everybody else's life. And, you know, that is her, you know, that is Hitagi's role in his life, you know, as is, as it is, you know, Ogi's, as it is Hanakawa's, you know, he has spent the entire series trying to be that person for everybody else while refusing to have, you know, let anybody else do that for him. And, you know, even when they, you know, either, even when other people try to help him, he has to make it worse for himself Mm -hmm. in some way. Yeah. To, to balance the scales, you know, and this complex, you know, is what ends up creating Oshinogi in the first place. And, you know, and he even manages to reconcile with her. And it's, 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 it's a really gratifying place for Aragi to, to end up, you know, based on what we had known for, about him in the first series of this, just like weird, horny pervert, who's just like constantly butting into everybody else's business. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it does, I mean, like, even just, like, the ending being, like, him not really knowing how to take a step forward. And she's like, mm-hmm. you dumbass, just jump. And yeah. it, it does, it does feel like a very nice, like, goodbye to this sort of thing. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I really, I, I mean, I honestly, of the three series, again, scare quotes in my fingers, uh, that we watched i think i liked zoku the most which is funny because at the beginning i was like mirror world okay whatever new series and yeah someone someone's running out of ideas here um <laughs> but i like i like the idea from a metatextual perspective because i think this is actually one of the most meta of the episodes um both just at, saying some which yeah just saying a lot in <laughs> in the monogatari series as a whole um but in addition to the characters just being more meta aware of stuff, Yatsuki describing previous like series and like making mm-hmm. jokes about how like about plot events to come up in Hana in a uh, Hanamonogatari and Hanakawa and Oikura are aware that they're in a mirror world, blah, 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 blah. I, I do like that. It's also a show where the author himself can, can like show all these kind of, Robert Frostian road less traveled with Hachikuji getting to be the mature woman that her affliction with an oddity kept her from being. And Sadachi can have intimacy and affection and a family like she couldn't have. And mm-hmm. Nadako can just permanently be free to be just like a little drunken bitch all the time. <laughs> Cause it's like, that's all she does is just like hang out at the shrine and drink Hachikuji's alcohol. Um, yeah, I love that Hachikuji like considers her her like senpai, and she's like, oh, she's like here to like show me how to be a god. And yeah, they're just like drinking like offertory wines, and <laughs> yeah. and so and so like great. and so I I don't know if I felt that the that the mirror gimmick was as clever as Nisio Isen and his unnamed research assistant parentheses s plural uh, <laughs> thought they thought they were. Um, I do think it is clever that that we see the mirror as a reflection on our side, but if you could see through a mirror, it would just it would just be it, it wouldn't be a reflection. It would be just the other side of the mirror. It'd be a mm-hmm. it'd be a, a 
like seeing through a pane of glass and it would be like seeing ourselves just straight on. Um, I think that's clever, but I do think of it of like this idea of things left behind as letting, letting a lot of these characters grow up or realize their best selves. Um, even, even if some of them don't get that, like Hanakawa, I don't know. We've already seen the black Hanakawa punny. Um, it's a mm-hmm. bummer that we, that Kanbaru uh, is just this avatar of, of rage to Araki, which maybe is the other side of her because she is like, the cool girl in the sort mm-hmm. of uh, gone girl sense. Um, but it is funny to have Araki like imagine he's like a Hanukkah without pervertedness, a Hanukkah, with, uh, sorry, a, a Kanbaru without pervertedness, a Kanbaru without masochism, a Kanbaru without sexual harassment. And he's just like getting more and more excited and getting like the big monkey nostrils that he does when he's thinking <laughs> of just like a Hanukkah who doesn't, isn't constantly sexually harassing him all the time. Which is yeah. kind of Niso Eason telling telling on himself, but but yeah, I, I liked it, and it was I compared it in in my own notes to how it felt to watch the Deadwood movie, where you know all these characters and like their stories are more or less done, or at the very least you've made your peace with them. But it's just nice to see them like Aragi literally just make the circle and like see what's up with everybody, and then go home, mm-hmm. and then just yep. go off with with the uh, Senju Gahara. So, yeah. Yeah. So long, Space Cowboys. (laughs) (laughs) And I do like that, that, like, even then, even with this, like, very ending, 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 like, literally ending sequel, as it's titled, we still have, Mm -hmm. like, Guy and Toei setting up that, like, I hope that my, that the words I always told my daughter about if you can't be if you can't be a cure, be a poison, else you're just water. Uh, I hope she doesn't misinterpret those. And then chronologically we move on to Hanamoto Gatari, where Hanukkah has to wrestle with those. It's, it's, it's again, that meta awareness of like knowing that these issues come up um, mm-hmm. that, and that in fact, like the mirror incident is possibly in some distant way, the inciting incident of the events of Hanamoto Gatari too. So mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have any yeah. closing thoughts about about this experience, or should we move on to to fun stuff? Um, no, yeah, I think mean, I think we've we've pretty much covered the the serious stuff. I made you do all the heavy lifting <laughs> with the, with all the synopses. <laughs> I would I would much rather re-synopsize like the Kaiki and uh, Sengoku story again, which I has much more narrative thrust than often these very introspective episodes. Mm-hmm. Well, what did you like? What made you laugh in uh, what made me in laugh? I, the Awari series? Is um, I mean something that made me sort of like you know give what, what gave me like a sort of a meta laugh and made me feel smart and observant is like the second or third time through because I'm a weirdo and just keep watching the show over and over again. Like once you have once you know what Ogi is that she is you know this you know, reflection of, of, uh, Araragi, you can go back and see, like, they, they've done a lot of those, like, sort of classic, you know, fight club-esque little tricks mm-hmm. with, like, the camera and perspectives of, like, telling you this person, you know, is, is Araragi, is a part of Araragi. Like, there's so many little scenes of, uh, like, her, like, like, you know, the camera, moving so that she emerges out of his head or like she you know leans out of his shadow or 
there's a, a moment in uh, when they're exploring uh, Sadachi's house. Uh, Araragi is looking into the camera and there's a mirror behind him and there's like a Hall of Mirrors effect going behind him. And he's, you know, he's speaking to Ogi through the camera and the reverse shot is Ogi with nothing behind her. So there's like, you know, he, he's talking, you know, he, the, you know, the hall of mirrors implies that he's looking at a mirror, but the reverse shot is just Ogi in front of a blank wall, mm. you know, and it's just like, like little, little cute, you know, little clues like that, that you, you know, it, they tell you nothing unless you know to look for them. And since they already had sort of two layers of, you know, they had like the, like the fig leaf idea of, oh, she's just a very observant person who happens to know about oddities because she's Oshino's niece. And then, you know, sort of like, you know, very overtly telling you she is supernatural. She is probably the darkness. She is probably, you know, this this antagonist that we introduced in the last series, but still giving you those little hints yeah. of, no, there's something else, actually. And I know. Oh, I I I thought that was that was great and that was that was a hundred percent chaff doing that because I I don't think that could be could, could be done in the books. Yeah, I mean they I haven't read them yet, so they they really <laughs> they really enjoy. It. I mean, like I as a visual device, I enjoy Ogi a lot more than as a as an interlocutor for Araki because I feel like she replaces the show's she explains the show's mysteries with smugness and condescension rather than. Uh, excitement or wonder or amazement and so it just feels like it feels like niso isa needing someone who like, can push the plot along a bit more aggressively than aragi mm-hmm. like blundering like a dumb fuck into whatever the answer is and just like in um in sodachi lost when hanakawa and uh and uh ogi like sit aragi down and just do like observation one observation two and they just like keep going back and forth until aragi finally pieces stuff together i feel like it's it's uh it's niso eason's editor getting back a half-finished draft and being like you need to you need to wrap this up man (laughs) he's never (laughs) you need to get this this fucking moving um yeah but yeah i I don't have anything as profound as that for the things I like. I liked a Hanakawa pretending to reflect on her quote unquote mistake of letting Senju Gahara hit Oikura when, when like people are like, why'd you let her hit? Why'd you let her? She's like, oh, I don't know. You know, whatever. Um, <laughs> I think it's disgusting that the first minion comes back as like a weird, like bishi twink. I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> I don't know if that's from the books, but if so, what the fuck? <laughs> I really liked uh, when uh, when Araragi goes to apologize to Sadachi in her apartment, and she has this this like completely austere, completely uncomfortable looking apartment with like you know everything has like three edges, and she is uh, you know basically just you know trying you know and and he's trying to like be nice to her, and she's tr- she keeps trying to like throw things at him. And Hanakawa just snatches things out of the air uh-huh. like it's nothing. And, and there's a moment where uh, Sadachi goes to like grab something else on the table and she looks down and the table is empty. And then Ar- and Hanakawa is standing to the side with a stack of things in her hands. like <laughs> And there's a moment where both like Araragi and Sadachi just look at her like, whoa. <laughs> well, and they're like, they're like, how can you how can you block it? And she's like, I'm, I I." I am predicting in advance when you're going to have to throw something at him. And it just implies someone who's put up with Aragi's <laughs> bullshit so much that she knows yeah. what the like, fuck you moments are. So <laughs> uh, speaking of Yatsky's like sexual attractiveness to me, 
I mean, I'm not even into feet at all, really. But like when she steps on his face, like it's cute. And then it ends up having a payoff of like, like she finds the most humiliating way to like mark him as as her own so that the first minion won't like attack and kill him the moment that he can. So, mm-hmm. and I don't know. It's just like they do. A ve- it's a very, very, we talk about Shaft being like these head tilt back lens flare dramatic things, but also just having Yatsky like pull up her, like her, you know, skirt and petticoat and roll down her, her long stocking take off her gloshes and roll off roll down her long stocking and put them aside and then just carefully press the foot against Aragi's face and I'm like man this is a show for perverts <laughs> and it gets in your head too that's the thing yeah. <laughs> I mean the same the yeah. same with Aragi like having just had like a long lecture with Guy and he's like I need to get I need to, to walk this off and he goes to the bookstore and buys some milf porn that he immediately gets caught with <laughs> Yeah, because because he's been, just been talking to an older woman, and I guess that's how he works out his feelings. Yeah, yeah, because he's yeah he yeah he's in a situation where like he's been snipped off from Shinobu because of like the darkness touching his shadow, and he's like, wait a minute, this is the first time I've been by myself in like six months, <laughs> and I've been surrounded by all of these like weird little girls, and I've been like very concerned about my proclivities, so I'm gonna go do something about this. And yeah, he buys a milf porn. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that feels like a very teenage thing of like trying to masturbate to porn that's the opposite of what you're worried you're too fixated on. That's one piece of Ar- Aragi that feels completely authentic. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my last... Uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah, like, um, after uh, uh, after Aragi is killed and Shinobu is restored to being kiss shot. He goes back home and Yatsuki has been living in his house, <laughs> you know, finds out like, Oh, she's back to her full strength. Huh? Huh? I've been really roasting her for like about six months now. <laughs> so can you teach me how to be polite and nice? So she doesn't kill me. <laughs> Everyone's so snarky in that, in that, in the show, I didn't even pick up that like Yatsuki was being hard on kiss shot. But then again, like kiss shots, like Shinobu slash kiss shots, the most, power one of the most powerful beings in, in the world so like mm. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah like yeah like they're like sort of like antagonistic relationship that always kind of like happens in the background because like like shinobu like rocked her shit in nisio uh nisio monogatari, nisio Isen monogatari. And, then, <laughs> and then yeah like there's like those little moments in uh kabuki monogatari when we find out that araragi is like you know he's turning into a vampire yeah. and he's like trying to find her and, and like yatsuki and uh shinobu are just like you know fighting in the background and having snowball fights that's that's suki monogatari just like yeah it's, that's okay yeah, yeah that's yeah. okay yeah yeah and it's because also because like yatsuki's just easily dodging them and then like shinobu's just eating shit i mean that's that's what makes shinobu's character work is that she's is that she's extremely proud and haughty and ultimately she is like a higher level of being but she's also dumb and selfish and and very easily bribed by donuts and (laughs) as much as i complained about other things being set back to zero with like ogi at the end of awara monogatari 2 i had no problem with kiss shot being like i want to be a little girl again yeah. I like I liked being the little girl. I'm I'm tired of being this like this ridiculous like statuesque Amazoness. It's just like no, I just I want to be yeah. a little girl and eat donuts. Yeah, because like 
again, like she had been in a situation like she had come to this town originally to die. Uh-huh. She was so tired of like fighting and fighting and fighting that she was just going to let it happen finally. And then she got, you know, linked up with this like idiot who like refused to let her die and forced her to be in his shadow. Lit- yeah, literally just, just you know, like full limb amputation equivalent of just forcing her to live so that he wouldn't have to deal with the guilt of letting her die. Yeah, and it you know, and again, like the you know the show kind of you know it kind of tells us that like yeah you you can't give up on anything and you know you don't give you know confront your past integrate it and then you know let people around you help you with that and you know she realizes that you know being a, a powerless little girl in the shadow is better than being the most powerful being on earth and alone yeah and. And like, you know, and it's, you know, again, like a nice little payoff at the, the show kind of is like very selective of like when she's around and when she's not around, you know, if it, you know, if it's funny and weird, she'll show up and otherwise, you know, she'll just be like missing. Yeah. She's always just like sleeping in a shadow for a big chunk of the show. Just like, oh, yeah. So like, you know, it kind of implies that, you know, she's just going to be his like weird shadow daughter forever now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is weird, but I mean, whatever. yeah, it it, it makes it makes you wonder <laughs> when he's picking up uh picking up Kanbaru in the car and Hanamoto Guitar. You're like, is Shinobu there? Can she like hear them, or is she like off doing her own thing? Like, who can say? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and speaking of jumping to the future, I I got tired of this joke and then started liking it again. Is the joke that people kept making of it's going to be so sad when you fail the exam and you can't go to college with with Sajukara. <laughs> And he, he's like, why do people assume I'm going to fail? And it's like, I don't know. just just seems like something you do. Yep. It's, it's, and it's really funny how just like, because we know that they're going to end up together just because this isn't the kind of show that would forcibly separate Araraki and Senjokahara. The fact that every single person's like basically doing the most backhanded way of saying like, you're not worthy of her. And you're like, you're not like, you're not you're there to be with her, not to do your own thing. Like, I, I think it's funny and how he just, he's kind of got these hurt feelings about it. <laughs> and, and, and the fact that like, you know, Sanjay Gahara had more or less chosen his destiny for him saying, I want you to go to, you know, to university with me. And he's just kind of going along with it. Cause he's like, Hey, all right. Like, you know, seems like a better idea than not going to university. <laughs> and, and also just like being in your late thirties and thinking like, these kids are together in high school. What are the odds that they're going to like, they're, they're going to last. And in, f- the, in fiction, very good yeah. in real life. Not so much. <laughs> and I mean, like, and in the books, like they've only, this is like two thirds of the way through. And like what I was saying, like the, like the, the three themes of the, of, of Monogatari, you know, Araragi trying to help haunted girls. Haunted girls trying to solve the problem of Araragi. Araragi trying to solve the problem of Araragi. And you know, that that suggests you know a fourth of haunted girls trying to solve the problems of haunted girls. And from what I can tell from synopses of the other novels that haven't been translated, that seems to be kind of where the direction they go in. Yeah, I mean, uh, Araragi definitely does seem to be built up as the sort of vanishing mediator. Um, where he he's how we meet all these girls but it's eventually a harem that runs itself and doesn't need a, a man there which is fine because he like 
one of the weird safety valves on Monogatari is that Aragi is completely devoted to Sinjugahara in the ways that, at least according to the the f- fiction of the work itself, count. So yeah. there's never any danger that he'll leave Hanakawa, leave leave Sinjugahara for Hanakawa. And meanwhile, mm-hmm. like Sinjugahara and Sinjugahara and Hanakawa kind of have a, a very intimate relationship. And I saw someone making a joking like by visibility posts about hanukawa <laughs> that was just like <laughs> sure okay yeah yeah you definitely get the sense that like in another like like central Gahara is not strictly like fix it like well, yeah what, she's, 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 she she is 100 percent into hanukawa well it's what she it's what she there, says she would have loved anyone who would have rescued her and she's like anyone yeah. and what you think is she means <laughs> kaiki but i think it also Especially in, you know, people are a lot less out in Japan even now. You can imagine, mm. like, yeah, a woman, like, she just, she needed a rescuer. And and she got, like, a, a living avatar of, like, greasiness to, to, to do it. Uh, <laughs> but then you also get a, a little insight into Hanakawa's perspective during Nekobonogatari White, where she's, when, like, Senator Gahara is, like, trying to convince her to go take a shower with her. And she's, like literally like on her knees looking up at her and Hanukkah just thinks I can see why Araragi and her together. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's those, it's those Sundarays. It's that Sundaray charm as she, as she said uh, in yeah. a previous show. <laughs> well, well, were you glad we did this series? Let's just let's, let's get, let's get meta. Let's get meta meta. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Like this is probably like as I, I hate the fact that if somebody <laughs> were to ask me what is your favorite anime, I would have to think of one that isn't Monogatari because I wouldn't want to have to explain it to somebody. <laughs> it's 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 an I mean, yeah. And the problem is I think that like Monogatari would actually the worst part of it is Monogatari actually would be a lesser series if it wasn't as thorny. In that I think yeah. that there is kind of an information overload where you have to filter through the fan service and the fact that Araragi is kind of a shitty person and the fan service and the weird yeah. lolly pedo incest shit. Like, yeah. And at the same time, it's just it's this powerful work about how we understand the world around us and mm-hmm. like what what our relationship is with reality is and how it's mediated by those understandings and how they're different for people. And the fact is when we talk about the, the four theories of knowledge espoused by Hanakawa, uh, by Guy and Izuko, by Ogi, by Guy and Toei, none of these are right or wrong. All of in the entire show, all of these theories of knowledge are used effectively to solve problems. So it's not mm-hmm. even about a right or wrong. It's just about people being different and having different relationships with the world and how these are not incompatible unless yeah. Ogi and Hanakawa hate each other, which it's a fair cop. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, it, it's, <laughs> I think of, I think of it as a, as a, as a profoundly curious and even compassionate show. And unfortunately it's also a show where a brother sexually brushes his little sister's teeth. <laughs> <laughs> and yet if you were to, if you were forced to name the best scene in the show you would have to spend 
an extra couple seconds thinking of one that isn't the toothbrush scene <laughs> which is like no matter how many times i watch it it is funny and weird and and a little bit sexy also, yeah you're like yeah i can this is this is kind of hot is this weird this is very weird it's one of the greatest it's one of the greatest living stylists in anime trying to convince you that something that i would have never thought is is sexy is sexy and like yeah. that's fascinating it's fascinating yeah. to have like yourself culture jammed by this by this stupid perverted <laughs> show it's weird for me who has no interest in foot fetishing fish foot fetish stuff to 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 see yatsuki step on aragi's face and and like go huh and be, yeah go yeah <laughs> stuff that makes you go huh to, to borrow a jenny nicholsonism it's just you're just like huh and then people ask you what you do. Like I had to tell my fucking girlfriend that I was recording this podcast, and she's like, "Oh, what are you going to talk about?" I'm like, "Stuff, <laughs> stuff." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've said it before that like the worst thing about the show is that it is impossible to recommend it. Anybody watch it? Nobody should watch it. And if you do watch it, you have to like you're just compelled to become this. You're like, in a club, weird ranting lunatic. Like you, you just have to like commit like commiserate with people and be like this i'm not crazy right and you're like oh no we're all crazy we're all crazy together that's the whole theory that's the whole point the, of the, the thing is and maybe this is just the circles <laughs> that i run in and this is especially something that like we're getting we're getting far into the stratosphere talking about us talking about us talking about this make this podcast but like so like the nick creamer article i referenced before which obviously i just reread because this is the, the the multiple times i'm citing it but yeah. where he says like you either love it, hate it, or love, hate it. And the thing is, I've never met anyone... I've never met anyone who has engaged fully with Monogatari series who does not have some sort of appreciation for it. Because I think yeah. it's undeniable what a work it is. And I think it. I think the level of mm-hmm. erudition... And sure, a lot of it is, is Nisio Eason writing off his research assistant expenses... And a lot of it is like pointless wank that I can bend myself over backwards to say that Euler's identity is about is about beautiful, useless things like this plot beat. But like the show, it's 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 <laughs> it's, it's hard not to respect it. Yeah, it, and it's just it's hard it's hard to be like this is this is irredeemable trash because especially in anime, there's so many examples of irredeemable trash that aren't this this sprawling meticulously characterized in intensely thoughtful show that also includes mm-hmm. a lot of like really creepy like 17 year old boy doing doing not good stuff to 11 year old girl so i don't yeah and so like i'm glad i made this i'm i'm uncomfortable that this is probably the most like job disqualifying stuff that i've done on keyframes <laughs> if my employer ever were to click the link on my website bio and and listen to some of my podcasts these would be the ones that i'd be like oh fuck i said that that incest toothbrush is taught but it is and you'll feel that way too if you ever watch this goddamn show hypothetical boss Karen. <laughs> <laughs> becky yeah um, and and yeah like and i still remember you know back you know when i was hearing you guys talk about this show and is and saying this sounds like the show that just boils you like a frog into being a bad person and it's like i can't i still can't like deny that like did we just pass through you know some kind of like dark 
force and just were, were changed without realizing it and we would be unrecognizable to our like previous selves or have we like actually witnessed a revelation and become a better person are, who can tell? Are, are you a perverted ship of theseus or <laughs> or yeah i i mean the thing is i'm gonna go ahead and link this back to one more indulgent like in fiction thing but i think ultimately people choose to save ogi when they watch yeah. this show they accept that this is that this show is is malicious and in bad faith and is willing to frustrate and distract us from like its better parts and i think ultimately there are people i've i have i mean i i miss it there are people i've seen people online be like this show is trash and the people who like it are perverts but it's hard to discount it makes a good case for itself and i hope that we've made a good case for itself on for it on yeah. this podcast because it does stick with you and i'm glad to have watched it again because there are some parts of it especially the uh i wish i knew the what the name of the the kaiki uh sengoku arc is i i think about like her the the sea of snakes freezing and her running down being like what just beating on him as he's being enveloped in snakes like it's it's such it's such humor and erudition and I think we're used to like the really smart animes taking themselves really seriously. And this is one that mm-hmm. actively sabotages your ability to take it seriously. And yet, yeah. and yet you still do, or most people yeah. still I think do. What is absolutely in keeping with the themes of the show, the people who say that this show is trash and irredeemable, they're correct. <laughs> but that doesn't make them right. <laughs> Oof. Okay. Well, rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Find us on Twitter at Keyframes Pod. Find us on Facebook. Search for Keyframes Podcast. Uh, we're on Spotify and on Stitcher too. Email us questions. Pick a new show for us to do this kind of deep tween dive. We're thinking about Revolutionary Glutena, but that show might swallow us alive, especially with Jeff's tendency <laughs> towards Apophenia. Uh, but yeah, email us questions, comments, sympathy at keyframespodcast at gmail.com and don't tell a friend about Monogatari series unless you know they're cool (laughs) in that uncool way. (laughs) So yeah, let's say goodbye. Goodbye. さすなつの第三角